So I don't understand. Why don't you just start recording from the get-go? Because I don't want to catch anything incriminating in case you're like, you know, there, there might be some some behind the scenes footage that you're not quite ready to release. So it's, I'm just like, you know, just Ooh, who says I'm not ready to release it? There's, there's those things to get the clicks. I'm just, I'm just playing it safe. You know what I mean? Right. Until I get the message from the man, I'm just keeping everything under wraps. So. Okay. Okay, so do you want me to record the bit where you start talking about how your prediction was right last week and you had a little bit of traction on social? Do, do we want to talk about that? Listen, I'm. It's not up to me to blow my own trumpet. Like the people know what happened. They listened last week. They understand that. I don't. I don't need to. You know, labor the point. It's 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 un it's unbecoming. What was your piping hot take? I said Brentford would beat Arsenal. All right. What's your take this weekend? Uh, I've got no takes this weekend. Listen, yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have to wow. quit without a head. I don't have to quit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, well, anyway, guys, welcome to Kickback with Nadem. I am Nadem. That is Yudi. This is another very, very important episode. And the reason for that is Yudi. I'm speaking with Stephen Island this week. You remember that oh. fella? Listen, it's about time. Like I've, I've, I've wanted him on the show. See, to be fair, I'm, I'm realizing a lot of people did. But interestingly, this is the most private man in all of football. You can't get him anywhere. But I did it. I did it, dude. And I'm it's special. I'm proud of you. It's special, man. What would you... Um, there's certain things which, like, aren't worth covering because they've covered themselves in the past. But right. this episode here, he said a lot, you know. He said a lot. And he said it with all his chest. And I was really, I was enjoying it. I was like, I was, I was sitting back sipping the tea during the, during the call itself. I was sipping the tea. You know what I mean? I like that. I like that. Yeah. How do you, how, okay. Let me, let me, this is a question I think for City fans. Like when Stevie was coming through and Stevie was doing really well, shortly after there was Michael Johnson. And I always used to have this debate with Mike about who do we think was better. And I would go Stevie and he would go Michael Johnson. Who did you prefer? Uh, I think, I mean, for me at Stephen Island, like I saw, I, I think I saw more of him compete against some of the best players in the Premier League and also play with some fantastic players as well. So for me personally, I, I enjoyed watching Stephen Island play more. Um, mm. not, not to get into like who was a better player, but I enjoyed watching Stephen Island. Yeah, don't get me wrong. It's one of those where in those early days for City, the fact that we had both of them there at the same time was like a bit of a miracle because again, timing comes <laughs> into it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like those two in that time when they first came through, they were very, very good. But they were very, very good in a, overall a very, very bad side. You know, <laughs> picture, <laughs> those two further along. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, it's like, is my but this was this was a lot of fun. This is a regular episode. I think a lot of people are going to enjoy this one. And he's very very honest about everything, every aspect. He's naming names. He's saying times. He's talking about eras, and he's talking about himself. And it's um, I say I feel very very lucky, very very lucky to hear it. So Yudi, after people have listened to it, then what do they need to do in terms of telling me about what they think about the show? Where can they find me? Uh, the kickback underscore Nadem. Yes. Twitter Where? and Instagram. Yes. Oh, this guy gets it. Took See, 20 look. episodes, but this guy gets it. Uh, listen, I've been around. 
I've heard some things, uh, so it's, it's, it's <laughs> No, you haven't. No, you haven't. And also, <laughs> if people want to make sure they don't miss out on any episodes, what should they do? Uh, uh, follow the... Follow. No, follow, subscribe. Right? That's no. what it's called. So it's called subscribe. That- it's called subscribe. subscribe. It's called that subscribe. One. That's what it's called. So please subscribe to the show and reach out to me on social media. Let me know what you think, because this is a big episode and I really enjoyed it. And I hope you did too. So without further ado, guys, here he is, the man that is Stephen Island. What's up, Stevie boy? Yes, <laughs> on. Yeah, good man. How are you? Yeah. Yeah. So, like yeah. I say, I, I'm I'm honored to have you on the show. Like Stephen Allen doesn't appear anywhere. Like I feel really honored. This is special. <laughs> this is really special. So, so you ready to get into yeah, it? Yeah, I am. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool, man. So I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I've not done these things before. I've had a lot of requests, but I'm always like, uh, this is different because this one's it's just about you. So I want to start then. Like, why? Where are you in Gibraltar now? I'm in Gibraltar. What What are you doing there? Are you trying to play football again? And what? What's the deal? Um, a friend of mine has just become a sport director of probably the top one, two clubs here okay. in the Champions League. Um, because I have my own agency, I'm kind of trying to collab together a little bit of me bringing out like my best talents to play here, exposing to men's football, giving that exposure. Um, yeah, to men's football and the technical side of it because it's very, actually, very, very surprisingly technical here. Like really, really good. Okay. Um, but obviously, physically side. They're, they're not so for 16 17 year olds trying to develop out here i think it would be decent decent exposure for them for 10 12 months okay um so yeah that's i, I just come out here to look at the facilities look at the club and i have trained myself a couple of times out here okay and um, just to kind of stretch the legs and i played a game last night actually oh, okay okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Went, yeah yeah so it's fun it's fun but it's a beautiful place i'm actually really like surprised how beautiful it is here yeah really really like it yeah really like it and you, you mentioned the agency thing there but you sort of like just mentioned it in passing like not many people i know have an agency like why why do you even have one so like maybe 12 13 years ago my accountant who i made become my agent when i was 18 19 um I was burned by agents quite young, yeah, um, from 16 to 19, and never had any transparency on things with them. They never told me how it was black and white. It was always, oh yeah, we're charging the club, and then 18 months later you get hit with a tax bill, mm. and you could you you might even had a new agent by then, and all of a sudden you're getting hit, hit with a tax bill from an agent that's never around anymore. Um, so it was tough and a hard learning curve because I was a really young guy with. A young family. I had two kids at this point, and it was tough. And I needed every penny I was able to make. And these guys were just plucking out of my bank accounts, and I was like, I found it really frustrating and very hard because I was, you know, working my ass off on the pitch, giving everything to chase on contracts, and then these guys were just taking away the the best parts for me and my family. And um, so at the time, I had an accountant for two years. He was just an accountant, and I said to him, look. So you wrote all aspects of my life anyway. Can you please become my agent and take over that as well? So I've done the license and you know became my agent. Um and yeah, he see now he continues to be my agent, continues to be my accountant, because I felt accountancy is a day-to-day basis from your projects to paying bills to it's just I think it's an everyday thing with agents they come around every 18 months if you're lucky. Mm. Um so for me. That's kind of the route I took, and it's probably the best decision I've made. Um, so about 12, 13 years ago, I said to him, let's create an agency. 
So when I finish football, I can kind of walk into that role. Um, unfortunately, I kind of walked into that role a lot earlier than I, I anticipated. I prefer to have played in another three, four, five years because I believe I could. I still believe I could, but um, he's a licensed agent to it. I'm just doing all the coaching, mentoring, and recruitment, and the day-to-day stuff all the time. So got maybe over 40, I think it's 42 players now, exactly. Okay. Um, of kind of, I feel that kind of a two, three, two or three the best in each academy okay. around Manchester. Okay. Um, four or five, four or five of the best in Ireland. Two or three City United, Everton, you know, all those kind of surrounding clubs, and they're all lads from probably range from 15 to 19. So I've got the chance to develop them, you know, mentally, physically, on and off the pitch, um, and yeah, and that's kind of the biggest model I have to start kind of early with them. Mentor through the whole of their journey, 15, 20 years is obviously the plan. Oh, that's really, that's, that's really cool. That's that's really really cool. I like that because there is that level of mentoring which doesn't exist. Because when we talk about agencies and stuff, there I'd probably say at least fifty percent just want to make money from you. They don't want to better you as a person or anything like that. They just want to, you to make decisions, which mean that they get more money for things. And I'm not, you know, what I mean, I'm not with that. I'm not with that at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, fortunately, I don't have to. Fortunately, look. I never played football for money. I'm sure you didn't. I'm mm-hmm. sure majority of people haven't. It just follows suit naturally. And I'm not, I have a sip this up. I'm not doing this for money. Um, you know, when people leave football, they're scrambling for what, what to do next. Mm. I'm, I'm staying in football, but on my terms. Yeah. I don't want to be attached to a club. I don't want to be a coach. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be stuck in a routine of a time schedule with clubs. I'm, I'm working off my terms. And this is what I believe in. I'm very, very passionate about and I'm very hands on. With these kids, for example, I've, I've, I've got these two Irish boys out here at Ninja Vault as it is. Mm. These agents might send them out here. I'm here with them. I'm yeah. training with them day and day on the pitch and working on their game. They're, you know, what they're good at, what they're not good at, and going through the whole game and dissecting everything. And I'm very hands on with what I'm doing. That's my my plan going forward to build kind of a boutique agency where it's quality over quantity yeah that's top and like for a disclaimer for everyone listening like i play with stevie in a five side and so on and you're still the exact same player from 15 20 years ago <laughs> so when you say you're not playing anymore i don't understand why like is this by choice now or is this by force what's going on no it's not by choice um i would love to play i'd absolutely love to play i'd love um i'd love one crack at it again i definitely believe i've so much to offer on and off the field mm-hmm and um, that's why like i don't want to become an agent i don't want to become a licensed agent because oh, i know what my role is and i know what i'm good at and that's what i want to stick to mm-hmm. um i'm not that business guy i'm going to do the contracts i not ta- and you know the reason i haven't taken that license station to um you know test is because i still i'm still struggling to deal with i know there's a lot of things talking about mental health and stuff at the moment i don't have mental health issues but I do have moments where I sit and think about me playing again. I struggle to let go. I'm really because I never got to end on my terms. Yeah, that's the that's the challenge. She didn't get to send off or the the right. I'm finishing the season. I kind of got made retire, um, which was out of my control and very frustrating. So I left Stoke, and the options I get were were not very good and. And yeah, that, that's. I think there's more circumstances that I just wasn't getting the right options to to get back in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely still think I can play. I still think I can play at a high level. Like I'm not a deluded person. I'm happy to say, no, I'm, I'm done. I'm checking out now. And you know, I, think I like a team that I can observe 
myself really well and know what my levels are. I do believe I still can play mm-hmm. at a high level. Um, mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I'm the only one that believes that because I'm not getting those options. Mm. Um, and yeah, it, it's hard. That is hard. It's very, very hard letting go from the routine of things. And I feel, I don't know, I, I look back now and I think, God, I wish I put myself some slack and maybe took the took shackles off a little bit more and wasn't too afraid to try things or it's because I have such unfinished business I still yeah. feel there's just so much more to give I still have so much more to achieve and you know it, it's it's tough it's tough it's, it's really hard letting go um, and I still feel that one day I might get a call you know yeah. it's hard really hard yeah i i get that and that's that's very very interesting and we'll get to bits of that but what we're going to do now is go all the way back yeah to the beginning and specifically in terms of your time together at city yeah what age were you when you joined do you remember yeah i came over a week before my 15th birthday but i wasn't due to come over until i was 17 which was the rules yeah. so i asked man city could have come over those two years earlier for development reasons so okay. I felt like I needed to play catch up and the second I'd done that I regretted it because it was the first 18 months were absolute torture but I came out to the end and luckily I became the player I did and the person I did um, because I took that upon myself to make a decision for myself yeah and when those first 18 months then which team were you playing for were you playing for our age group or the older age group I was playing for the 17s um, Monday to Friday traveling with the 17s on the match day getting some minutes as an impact sub and then playing with you guys on a Sunday mm. That's, so that was my schedule you know uh, you, you just mentioned the birthday thing like it's not your birthday on August 22nd like that's just around the corner mm-hmm. like wow mm-hmm. you're getting old now you do your pension on Sunday aren't you <laughs> I still look 22 though. Wow, that's a reach. That's a reach. I wouldn't say 22. (laughs) I wouldn't say 22. But you know, my first first memory of you when you came to the academy was I think we were doing some pre-season thing. We were at Wally Range and we were doing like keep-ups or something like that. And then the ball went up in the air. I know what's, I know what's coming, yeah. I know what's and then coming. this dude just like caught the ball in the air with his foot. I was like, hold on a second. I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, who's just done that? I didn't even think that was possible. But I thought, oh, this guy's, um, this guy's going to be okay. This guy's going to be okay. But on from there then. Good times. Oh, good very times. good times. Very good times. But on from there then. What was the toughest thing in terms of adjusting to living in a new country? Because, you know, you were young. And even though you speak the language, it is a different place. So what were the toughest adjust- adjustments for you at that time? It was, it was completely, it was really, really tough times. Things to, to every single day training. I've gone from training one night a week in my, in Ireland, I was probably the wonder kid or the next best thing or at least one of them. And you're training once a week and playing games on a Saturday. That was it. The level was four. The, the coaching was well behind. And it was just a total different level of what I what to expect. Man City signed me without a trial. Right. They just saw me in a tournament and signed me there and then on the spot pretty much. Um, so I didn't get, even get a chance to come over and dip my toe in. I just committed to it. This felt right. I, it was such a rude awakening from the level, the standard. To, I remember my very first training session when Alex Gibson was like, as a punishment, he's like, right, halfway line. And I didn't know what that meant. And Alex explained, halfway line, you do something wrong, you're on the halfway line, you got 60 seconds, get around the pitch, back to half line, or you go again. I remember I was like 25 yards behind everybody, even the keepers are outpacing me. And I thought, in Ireland, I'm fifth. In Ireland, I'm very, very quick. I came here and I was like, it's, it's, you don't realize at the time, 
you know, now you know because there's much in the football and academies that six months is huge still. Mm-hmm. Never mind two, two and a half years. And I was training guys two, two between two and four years older than me. Seventeens, nineteens just to get together. I was fifteen, yeah. just turned. Yeah. And I was a tiny underdeveloped fifteen mm-hmm. mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. And it was hard because then like the lads also weren't very supportive. They were very Yeah, it was like it was tough. Really, yeah. really tough. Old school coaches, old school mentalities and the boys were just relentless as well. Mm. Do you think that's what you needed though? I did need it. I did. And I did a lot of times I tried to chuck a towel in. There's times I was trying everything and said this wasn't for me. And it was really, really tough. But I remember I used to, I used to like take, I used to rob like taxi slips from Platt Lane, write out my own taxi slips <laughs> in the gyms, <laughs> pretending as if like you know, forge the letters, forge the, so I can go to the gym on my days off. And then, and, and some night times, and slowly by slowly, I just got bigger and more physical, and I worked on all these different things. And I think then I, I turned the page, and people were like, "Oh, he's the one to watch out for, and he's the one coming through next." So I was never that guy. Initially, people didn't know what it took for me to get to that point. Yeah. People just thought it happened, or one day someone said, "Oh, that guy there for them is, you know, that boy Aaron there is the, is the next one." It, it wasn't that. It was never that. It took a lot of a lot of hard work. Yeah, for sure. Especially, especially mentally, because it's very, very tough. Fifteen-year-old in in. It was, it was men's change rooms. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And what were your favourite memories then during that time in the academy? Like before you were in the reserves and first team and stuff like that, what were your favourite moments? Uh, the under-17 age group for me just felt everything came into alignment from, I guess, the respect to myself, how, how, how I was so rated from my own teammates mm-hmm. and liked from my own teammates. Um, you know, so I never abused that either. I wasn't one of those guys that would abuse that yeah. either. I always felt like I was a good teammate. I always really, I always worked hard and performed every day in training and games, and I always encouraged people. So I didn't abuse that. But I felt that age group and that that selection of players that we had. I re- they were like my fondest memories. Yeah. You know, on the buses and winning, we had such a great season and some great friends. And at that point, no one cared about wages or fashion or it was never that we didn't have so social media it was just they were the days to me that kind of touched my heart the most mm. at flat lane mm-hmm. they're the ones where you think you know you're three hours away till the next session and everyone playing head tennis or two touch and it was, it was just yeah they were the ones that i look back for with the, with the fondest memories that, that whole 12 month episode really kind of makes me even emotional now thinking about how happy and content i was and how i enjoyed them and how our team played in such a manner that we just, I just, we just felt like a family. Yeah, and for that sure. didn't come, that didn't, that didn't come around actually to the twelve months I had on the Mark Hughes, but I got fair to year on City. Yeah, that, yeah. That, 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 that was the same kind of feeling and alignment with family, win, win, win and lose together, and yeah, that, that's yeah. that's right. That like that team to look back, it was like Casper in goal, had Nathan, mm-hmm. myself at the back, Danny Warren the right back, Paul, PC left back, it was mm-hmm. Jonathan. And Benno in the middle. Benno. You were playing the ten behind Burma, weren't you? Yeah, With, Carlos left and, and Lady right. right. Like that's that was tough. And now there's just the people that were starting more often than not. But it was like a great yeah. bunch of guys. And I, to be honest, that's probably one of my favourite years playing football of my life because it was like, especially for me being from Manchester, there was that spine of it where everybody had we'd all played against each other in Sunday leagues. Then we all came through together like that. And it was, it was nice, but you were, you know, you were definitely the main man now. But uh, anyway. It felt, it felt, it did felt, it felt special looking back now. And I felt like as, 
I don't know. I think it was it was the crossroads for me as well. I think it really kind of catapulted me to give me more beliefs than I ever kind of had. Yeah. I really thought. I really thought. You know what? I actually do have a chance there. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting you say that because when when we were, when I was coming in full time, like I'd heard of you and I'd seen you play a couple of, like the year before and so on. But you were really good that year. I think you were either top scorer, or like second top scorer or something. Like you were the main guy and coming in full time was the same time, say, United and other teams were doing so. And I remember thinking that some of the best players I'd seen and played against or with, there was you, there was Giuseppe Rossi, and there was Chris Eagles. Like, I felt like you were the three, like, stars of the whole space. Everyone else was good, but you guys were great. And to be fair, as I say, the career that you had after that, you know, it kind of speaks for itself. But I want to know, um, as an Irishman in that team, probably not supporting City, do you think... As you were coming through, were you just desperate to make it or were you more specific in terms of trying to be desperate to make it at Man City like everyone else was who maybe was supporting the team or was from the city? Yeah, I, I, the second I joined City, I became a City fan. Like it became something that was really important to me and close to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I grew up a United fan because it was just my family, just the way it is kind of in Ireland. Um, but the second I joined City, that's just been out the window. But Man United was the game I got most nervous for because they were my team growing up. Yeah. Um, but no, City, City became something really like special and important to me. Um, I have great memories there. I love it here. Looking back, I, I looking back, I don't look back feeling like I've, I achieved much. I don't look back. I'm, be, I'm, I'm not content. Um, yeah. I think I should have had a better. I could have had a worse career. I've not had a career. But I do believe I should have done a lot better than what I had. Yeah. Um. I wish I invested more time into myself and was a bit more selfish, which I wasn't. I just feel like I should have just been a tiny bit more about myself. I just wasn't. Like from family, I mean, like outside family-wise, I wish I kind of did not took a little bit of backseat and said, right, you know, tonight I need to rest or tonight I need to go and train or tonight I need to go to physio. I didn't. I just yeah. tried to spin too many plates at once and uh, something had to give at some point. Yeah. And it's interesting you say that because I think you, so you played for the five years at City and looking back, like you played 176 games it was, which is a lot of games in that period. Like with the peak being in 2009, played 50 games, scored 13 goals under Mark Hughes and you were the player of the season. Like those player of the season awards, if you if you look back through history, there's some very significant players that have received that, you know, in in terms of the club's history. So for you to be doing that, that is incredible. But in that time there, for as good as you were playing through certain bits of it, did you ever have ambitions to leave or were you just happy at City? Because I'll hold my hands up and say being a City guy, whether you're doing well or not, you feel proud, but you don't have ambitions to leave because this is City, this is the club that you support. Like, that's a naive thing to think, but that's what I thought at the time when I was younger. I never want to leave. No, I want to stay there and be, be there right now still. I, and I, and I, that wasn't me. You know, I, I think I deserve to be there. I still mm. think I could have played. Yeah. I still think I, I had the ability, the mentality, to still be there even in these glory days. That had. I still, I still don't think that the club has grew me. I think in circumstances I left, and yeah, I still think that I had the ability to still be part of that squad, and, and should have been part of that squad for the last few years. Um, in circumstances like I think if Pep came in or Pellegrini came in at that time, not Mancini, I guess we would have been there. Mm. And which um which manager do you think got the best out of you as a player? Um it would have been Mark Hughes that year, I think. But 
it's not necessarily just him. It was just the right people left that allowed me to play the way I want to play. Yeah. And like these Joey Barton kind of guy characters were always kind of there, kind of hold me back or pull me down or, Mm -hmm. you know, there was, there was a lot of characters like that just needed to make their way. And I think again, like I said, under 17, everything seemed like an alignment. It was just set up for me. Yeah. Everybody, everybody again, just felt like a family. Everyone was just great in the change room. And we had the people who probably affected that for years leading up to it, which I guess made me inconsistent. There's, there's lads I was like, yes, he's injured today. I'm not going to play well. I'll play with him. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? Well, that's, it is. Yeah. It is. There's plenty of characters like that. You're like, yes, he's, he's, you know, he's getting rested, so I know I'm going to play well today. Mm. That is. You and know? Like, people listening, you can infer which type of players you're talking about there. But it is true because I, had a, I was just talking about this today, actually. I remember we were playing Newcastle away, I think it was, and um, you were coming on off the bench and you got told to come on by Stuart Pierce to play in the 10. And within 60 seconds of you coming on to play the 10, Joey said to you, right, you drop back in, I'm going to play the 10. <laughs> yeah. And I was sort of like, whoa. <laughs> like, yeah, oh. he, was, he was funny. He was, uh, he, was, he was different. He was, I think he, he's the prime example of abuse and his seniority, you know, that's all it was. It was like, happened many, many times. It yeah. was like, so loose. Yeah. Yeah. But look, I, I, I when you look back then, some of the stories and some of the things that happened, it was just your time your turn to take a medicine mm. from these lads that was just the way it was and you know it, it, it was just to us it was normal and you were expecting this but now it just never happened and you're trying to tell people the stories now and they can't relate with or if i think you're making them up you're like no these things actually existed these things happened and mm-hmm. and yeah i think those guys had their role for when i was there coming through with amongst other guys that you you know you kind of pick up and just things you can you can observe from everybody. Yeah. Pick up, pick up and use. You can take or leave certain things, and you get that from all different people. And when a lot of those kind of older pros left under Mark, you know, before Mark Hughes came in, you know, I think Sven started kind of getting rid of a few as well. Uh, I love Sven. Absolutely love Sven. Like I played right wing more under him. Yeah. Which that's why I always kind of I felt like struggle for consistency because I'm not a right winger and you know I don't mind doing the graveyard shift five times a year but when someone's out there for the whole season then you can't expect you to be consistent because it's, it's, it's not my my nature to be out there. So when Marcus finally put me in that kind of ten eight role, I think I flourished because I had no restrictions. It was yeah. like right whistle whistle blows, go do what you got to do to the whistle finishes finish close whistle to finish the game off and by then I've already I, I achieved everything I needed to I just emptied my tank. Yeah. yeah. I ran a, I ran around literally I used to run around like I'm in a checklist like I'm playing a video game running around like <laughs> tack tackling, intercepting, tracking, being here or everywhere. I was making clearance in six hour box and then eight seconds later I'm gonna tap in their six hour box. I just had no one holding me back. Yeah. And, you know, and then I performed the way I did mm. from that. And then all of a sudden you get an Italian manager comes in who's a tactician who's limits on everybody um and yeah i just knew my days are numbered pretty much straight away yeah and um i could take this one of two ways but what would you say your best memories were in terms of your time in city's first team because i've got one about you which i love which i'll never forget about but what would you say yours is it's probably something really personal to me but it probably would be when you score a goal or you do something really amazing or you do something that almost comes off and then the fans are just singing out in the superman mm. like to me honestly like to be able to have that relationship with fans and for them to sing that back here it's just like yeah it makes me even emotional thinking about thinking wow that's 
that's why my performances and my abilities allowed to happen. But come over at 15, and then I'm in the middle of the Etihad, and if they're singing that back, yeah, it's just like, wow. Yeah, yeah. But like, that's, that's serious and special, yeah. Yeah, that's special. In fairness, I didn't have a song, really, like a full song until I, well, not even a, not even a song, but a chant until I was at QPR towards the last, and they just shout, chief. But I did enjoy that, to be fair. I love that, I love that. But um, one of my favourite memories of you was in 2008, when we went to Old Trafford with Sven, and we beat United 2-1 when Darius and Benjani scored. Yeah. Like the two parts to that, the first one was like Darius scored in the first half and we knew that every time Darius had scored, he'd never lost a game and he'd scored in the first half and I'm sitting in the dressing room at half time looking across at him. He's like looking at me. I'm sure we're looking at you as well. It's like, <laughs> okay, nobody say anything. Nobody say a word. But yeah, we ended up winning that. But in that game itself, I remember you must have taken the ball off Rio probably five to ten times. He was, he was trying to play reverse balls, no look. He's like, nope, Stevie read that. Oh, yeah. Steve, nope, Stevie read that one. And it was like, it got to a point where it was hilarious. Like, for as great a player as Rio is and was, like, that day he didn't know how to yeah. deal with you. And I thought, this is fantastic. And I'm so glad that, like, yeah. it's, it's you that's playing there on my team against him. Because, like, that was the most lost I think I saw him in his whole career. What 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 <laughs> what a moment that was! What a moment oh, that was! Oh god, yeah, no, like he's funny him. He was trying to like double bluff me, so he's trying to give me the eyes. I was taking it, and he's trying to give me the eyes, but then not give me the eyes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Double bluff, and yeah. I'm still taking it. You know I mean? <laughs> oh, I loved and it. Every, and then then it got to the point he was calling me like an effing little <laughs> something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he, like it's like, he keeps he keeps robbing me. He was just getting so frustrated, <laughs> like the veins are popping out of his neck, oh. and then he was just hunting me. Oh, that I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And yeah, it's brilliant. I look back. I, I look back that laughing as well. But that's that's the kind of a skill I developed as well as like playing dumb or playing asleep or playing like yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Like, I know. If mate. you let them see the pass and then like. Right. You just nip in and take it, you know? I know all about that because torture was when Stuart <laughs> Pierce was manager and we used to do that game in the penalty box where you could put the goals on either side, long way or width ways. And like, I'd be playing, you'd get the ball rolled out where we had the little square goals and you have to try and score down the other end and you're standing five, six yards away and I've got two options, one left and one right, thinking whichever way I go here, Stevie knows exactly which way to go and he's going to take the ball. <laughs> Mate, we started playing long balls in a in a in a, in a, in a thirty yard game. I was like, I'm not I'm not here for this. I'm not here for this. No, I hated that game. Box full of, with twenty players in it. Hated it. Absolutely hated it. But anyway, anyway, anyway. Oh, good times. So the last manager you had at City was Mancini, yeah. And myself, yourself, a few other people, and so on. Like the writing was kind of on the wall from when he first arrived. But from early, from your early viewing of him, did you think he'd end up being successful for City? Or did you think he was probably just going to be short-term? I didn't think he was going to win anything there, no. I didn't think so. I thought it was going to come to a head because he was just causing carnage. Mm. He was just arguing with people for no reason. It was just like, it was as if, oh, things are too good to be true. I'll start, I'll start war in a change room. It's just because of things that seem, seem like everyone's happy. Mm. He just won. He was just one of those guys. And he was just... He was just rude. He said morning, nothing back to me. He was just hard work. <laughs> it seemed like it was all on purpose. Yeah. Um, I didn't think he'd go with something, but the squad at that point was just absolutely frightening as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I don't hold anything against the guy. This day, if I saw him now, I'd say hello. I don't hold anything against the guy at all, but I didn't think he'd want to be very successful now. Mm. It's crazy, isn't it? Because like he was very different to everything that we had before. 
And the thing which I struggled with the most was like, I'd been playing, then he came in. And then with the same squad, I wasn't playing. I was no good anymore. And I couldn't really, like, I struggled trying to figure out why that was. Because I wanted closure to understand, like, why that was the case. But I never got it. But one thing about him, like, he was very, very specific in terms of how he wanted the team to play. Like, to a fault. We're doing team shape every single day. It could be five, six o'clock at night. He brought floodlights out onto the field to make sure we knew exactly how we were supposed to play. And I thought, like, all that stuff, it definitely benefited the team in some terms or whatever. But if he would have had maybe a bit more of a softer personality at the start or maybe towards the middle, then he would have had longer at City. But as you've alluded to there, he was very like strong with some of his takes from the get-go. But anyway, anyway, anyway. Yeah, like I felt... Uh, there's just no freedom to, freedom to not play. It was, very, it was very tough to adjust. I actually think it took me a good two seasons to wean myself off stuff he taught me because yeah. he restricted me. He wanted to play two-touch and safe, sidewards. He, he literally would talk you through every moment on a pitch to get into the net. And that's what he wanted on a, that's what he wanted on a match day. He wanted to baby everybody through with you, calling the names all the way down the pitch on the pencil and kicks into the net. And when I found myself on the villa, I was just like, it was like I was, I was I forgot the kind of player I was. Mm. It took me a while to wing myself out of those habits. And then when I did, luckily I played a villa and done reasonably well and got fair the year there, but I thought for a while I was like I was playing like a kind of a boost hit style of player. That's never been me. Yeah. It's never been me, and that to be a player that's what that was like. It wasn't, wasn't me. I was never like that kind of a safe player. I took the risks, and I, I kind of played the freedom, but you kind of pushed too many restrictions on me. And I'm just not that player. I like to lose myself in the game. I play best when I just react off things and just go wherever I see fit. And with him, it was just he just just really back far far too much. Right, yeah. So you go to Aston Villa then. So it's the first time playing for a team in England that's not Man City. Like, as you're walking through that door there, are you thinking to yourself, I'm glad I'm not this academy graduate anymore? Or are you, like, nervous in terms of how you're going to fit into a new space? Yeah, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there at all. Um, I felt forced out. I felt like I was absolutely shafted. I felt massive height of disrespect for Man City because they didn't even say bye to me or give me a proper little, like, thanks for everything, good luck. And... It was just, I felt so shafted there. I felt heartbroken. I did not want to be Villa. And I was really nervous about going to Villa because I just felt like it's not for me. I'm not suited to this club anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember Yaya telling me in the change room, don't go, don't go. I'm only doing this until the window closes. When the window closes, everything will be fine. Um, he's just doing this right now because the window's open. He's trying to get rid of people. When the window closes, everything will be fine. Trust me, trust me. And I didn't have a leg to stand on. I just didn't have a leg to stand on. They were just working a deal to get James Milner in. Um, and it's fine, but I think, I, looking back on reflection, I should have done things differently. I should have been on the that. Or should I had an option to go to Valencia or Villarreal. And I think Villarreal were really good. Had Carzo. I remember sitting with my accountant in the office. And as I got to sign the papers, I said, didn't have a word outside. So we went back up to reception and Richard Dunn was there welcoming me and I thought, no, I didn't want to see his face right here mm. right now because I was so, I was on the verge of pulling the plug in the deal. I said to my colleagues, I'm not feeling good about this, I'm just not feeling it, I just don't think I should go through with it. And then, because Dunny was there and the pressure of everybody, they didn't want to let everyone down and maybe I was thinking, maybe this is normal what I'm feeling. I just went through with it and I said, fine, I'll just give it a shot. And I just knew this wasn't right for me. Mm-hmm. 
I hear that. And with, and with the three years that you ended up spending there then, like obviously at the start it's rocky because of how you arrived because you didn't want to leave. And I understand that. But did you think that the Villa fans actually saw the best of you during your time? No, not at all. I didn't see the best of anybody. The club was a shambles. I had five managers in two years or something. The club was an absolute shambles. If now had the gaffer that I had now, and maybe you know the, the backroom staff that I had now, it would be a different situation. Just like at City, my timings of clubs have always been in a weird transition. And I've always been like a victim of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like... <sighs> The club was a shambles, it really was. It was just way the care, you know. I signed there at five o'clock. Martin O'Neill resigns at eleven o'clock. And Sky Sports, I think it was like half ten o'clock at night. I'm sitting having some food in the hotel or on the park and training ground. And I see a yellow bar, Martin O'Neill resigns. I'm like, where's this leave me? <laughs> then a caretaker manager comes in and get lettered every day. He gets out of there. Julia comes in and he was like, I didn't sign you, so I want you here. Well, he didn't sign anybody else, bud. Like, no, there's no one else here who signs. Yeah. <laughs> well, you might have been of that. You know, there's 25 players there you can sign. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, again, I'm playing reserves, I'm training on my own, done nothing wrong, you know, didn't even have any interaction with the guy. And then I'm at Newcastle, I'm like, well, what is actually going on here? How am I finding myself in this position? <laughs> that is a good question. That is a good question. But I think, as is your case. Because I am, I, am, I am a really good teammate. I am actually a manager's dream. I really am. Like, I, I, I'm, again, I'm not losing when I say that. But, like, you know, if, if it comes to blows with a manager or he did do, do very disrespect or they do get you into the office and treat you a certain way, then I do voice my concerns or I do have it out with him. I, I like confrontation in the right in the right manner and at the right moments, mm. you know? And that's, that's that don't, you know, if you care about winning, you care about your job, why would you? I'm not just going to sit there and pay, take my paycheck up and just drive home every day with a smile on my face. I get really involved and mostly attached to my, my game, my career, and it plays on my my mood's a lot yeah. from one minute to the next. Yeah. You know, I can have plans with my family, my wife, whoever, and if I don't play well or the result doesn't go right, even if I don't play, even if I play well and the result doesn't go right, we're not going to have a dinner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I let, I let it affect me outside football. I can't leave this in the building and drive out the gates and go off when I'm going home because I'm going home to this house or this car or this is in my bank account. I never think that way. I'm just not that way inclined. Yeah. So why did you end up leaving then? Is it because you just weren't happy there or what? Uh, no, me, Darren Bend, Alan Hutton, a lot of got shake given seven fifteen of us got came back one pre-season. We weren't in our in our locker room anymore. We were shafted down to some academy side of the building with stickers on our lockers and we're shooting over we're in some, some some something called a bomb squad. Under which manager was this? Lambert. Right. And why do you reckon that was? Was that his decision or was it the club's call? Uh the club said it was his decision and then he sent the club decision because he probably didn't want to be the face of it. Um, they were saying it was because they want to trick us off the wage bill. So they're paying for us to be in the bomb squads mm. on the opposite side of the cabinet. It's made no sense. Mm. Lambert loved me. La- Lambert first loved me when he came in pre-season and the first five games of the season I was flying under him and he loved me and he really took to me. I remember many, many meetings with him I kept knocking on his door and he was like, you again? You know, everyone keeps telling me that you're this kind of guy. And he goes, I can't believe you're so opposite to what I expected. Because you're in here all the time complaining about not playing or complaining about training being not being good enough. He goes, I didn't know you were disinvolved. He goes, yeah, I goes, like, no, I care. I want to win. I want to play. And, you know, and so on and so on. And after about, I think about eight games, I broke my arm in a game. And then they went on a decent enough run where they won, they won a couple and drew a 
Cup and lost one, beat Liverpool at Anfield. I remember I came back and I broke an arm. He said, look, we've won without you, so we don't need you. I've been instructed off the owners to make a trade on your own. Hopefully January comes, you can find yourself a new club. Wow. So I, I was literally training on my own. Wow. I, I was seven or eight pitches away, training on my own. He goes, here's, here's a couple of balls. Go down and do some keep-ups or take crossbar challenge on your own. And um, the fitness goes to come down after bombs, everybody. It was funny like a dog. That's just it. Wow. So I was doing that on... So they said, have Saturday, Sunday, Monday off. Come in Tuesday, do that. Have Wednesday off. Do it Thursday. Don't come in Friday because the media have been driving past seeing you. Then they're going to ask me back for questions. Don't be, um, don't be around. So I was, I was getting paid. Come in Tuesday and Thursday. And just get ran by the physios and the uh, And why did you do that to you, do you think? Why did you, did you react to it or did you not? I didn't react to it, no. I went into him and just said, that, you know, it's out of boring. He says, out of my hands. This is what I can tell off Randy Lerner, the, the owner of the club. He wants you off the wage bill. And um, I find a new club in January. I was like, I know I can do that, but I can play in the meantime. Mm. You know, I can still, he's like, yeah, yeah, I, I get that. But, you know, we need to make plans without you. So just until then, just train on your own. Wow. And did you go to uh, Stoke on, in the January or in the summer? The summer. So I had, I had that all the way through from, say, September all the way through the next July. Wow. Yeah, wow. Um, it's a shame, really, because I, I look back and I think it's just such a shame. It's such a shame because I was wasted and it was wrong. And yeah, I didn't get to do my job. And I made a massive commitment. I didn't really tell her right to the house thunder and everything. Like, I'm really going to use question on my behalf. And then the show was just a revolving door of manager, revolving door of ideas. And it just always seemed like I fell victim to it. It was like, no, I'm, I'm praying my body here every single day, and I hear so much. I'm the first one, last one. I was always in before the heifers. And they're always like, God, you make me for the area, so you make me look back from before me. I was even like, it's been like 20 past 7 in the morning. Be two hours in sessions, then breakfast, then train with the and then around just 4 in the afternoon every day. Mm. Why, wouldn't someone, why wouldn't someone utilize that, you know? Why? With all this being said, though, like real, real question, like a big, genuine question here is why do you think that happened to you and didn't happen to other people? Um, well, Alex McLeish came in after Gerard Julia, and I remember him saying to me, You're too good to be here. And I was like, What, what do I'm going to do with that? He was like, I don't know, I'll give Mr. Alex a call for you. I turned to him and said, The doctor at the club, your mates, my two, you brought in, I was serious. He's like, yeah, you're saying, because you're putting around the corner, you're doing things too quick. Everyone else is not on the same page or the same wave. You're kind of making a team vulnerable, getting counter-attacked, and we, we can't actually, we just want to get it down, down the channel and win on percentages. I was like, what am I meant to do with that? Ring up clubs and say, we take me because I'm too good to be here, I've been told. Because that's not a valid reason for it. Like, what kind of joke is that? Mm. So I spent three, three and a half months victim of that and then I remember Darren Bent um truth <laughs> he threw a sickie in for the Christmas was the Christmas games way Chelsea live on TV. He was like oh I'm not fit to play but I'll go on the bench. So I, I got they were like Stephen you know you need to play tell them told me half one you need to play three that's no they told me it's half eleven that you're starting at one o'clock whatever live on TV the one o'clock kick off this was I think this was like two days before Christmas. I was like yeah great no problem leave in January anyway not to lose Went down, had a game of my life. Absolutely, like everything came off. Mm-hmm. I just fall over the ball. Looked like I'd done a back. Every 
everything just came off one of those days and everything went right for me. And the entry one, that man in the match scored, set up a couple, like, played great, absolutely great, because I just had no fear, because I just had nothing to lose. And then I stayed in the team for the rest of the season, got there the year. <laughs> I'm like, what's... Then he got the sack, Lambert came in, he took team for the first few months, and then all of a sudden this bomb squad thing got created, and it was just... Yeah. I, I, I believe, I believe that I'm, all, I, I'm the best trainer. In every environment yeah. I don't think I don't, I don't, I don't want to have the I don't want to me. I don't want to try to I do believe that I'm the best trainer. Yeah. And that's, that's, I'm glad you said that because I think universally, everyone that has trained with you will say that. They literally will say that. Like, even your guy, Jack Grealish, was saying that just in a city press conference last week, or whatever, saying, I've got to train you were. And he's someone who's just gone for 100 mil or whatever. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Like there's so much to it and you can't necessarily pinpoint exactly what it is. I'm sure people will have their opinions and so on and so forth, but it seems unjust by the way that you tell the tale because it didn't need to happen, did it? No, no. Um, a lot of things didn't need to happen. Um, I think, I think I found it hard to be consistent. I reached the heights that I should have. Like these really these kind of guys is because it's hard to put it into like terms. Like it's it's hard to make it make sense because I feel like I if anything I had too much ability. Some managers were like, right, you need to be scoring two a game, mm. two a game, every, every single game. Mm. Uh, I'm like, yeah, we're 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 Stoke playing away there, and you know we're playing away to Spurs or United or Stoke. Mm-hmm. Like that's not we're not set up that way. So like a lot of managers, Mark Hughes in particular, used to play me right wing, always that graveyard. Always against the top Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea, United, City was always the way. I never got playing a ten. You know, when you're when you're playing with those teams, you're not set up to possession. You're not set up to be consistent. You're not playing consistent as a team. But that City year, when I did have have a consistent year, and I did hit those heights, that's where I should have then went on and had seven, eight, nine seasons. Mm. Yeah. That was that was that was the defining moment for me. I think we're like gone now maintain this or can I go to another level and I didn't Mm. I didn't and I didn't and like you you didn't you didn't but say if you had to do like a percentage in terms of how much of that was down to you versus how much of that was down to circumstance what would you say Uh, like is it 50-50 is it 60-40 what do you reckon I reckon 70-30 circumstance you think so yeah yeah I do I do that's 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 very interesting, and I think uh, I wouldn't necessarily argue with that because you know there's always we always have to take blame for certain things that do happen in our careers, especially like we're younger. Or we we might do things differently if we had the chance to go back in that situation. We can only make the best decision based on what felt right in that moment because you didn't have hindsight then, whereas you've gained it now. And with circumstance, like Mark Hughes was your manager when you arguably had the best season of your career. But Mark Hughes, after that season, was there for six more months and then somebody else came in. He was very different to everything that came before. So even though you're the same player, you're now being perceived differently. So you're not going to be told to stay because the guy doesn't see you in the same way the last guy does. They don't see your strengths. They just see a future and they see a future that doesn't involve you. So circumstances are key because that was the trigger. And one thing which I feel about, say, your career, as has happened to probably quite a few people, like we play football not for the money, but when you start to make money within football, you get looked at in a different manner. 
like the expectation changes and so on. So you signing for Aston Villa, making whatever money you were on at that time, like you talk about two years later, Villa are struggling money-wise. So they're saying all the people who earn big money have to go. But if you were earning less money, you could have stayed and they wouldn't have seen you as a threat or whatever, even if you were playing the same way. So that's the circumstance and the timing of a situation where, you know, you had money at City, then you had more money elsewhere. But now that more money is like, is only acceptable when you're doing, when, when a team, when a club is doing exceptionally well, money's not an issue. When they're doing badly, money's the biggest issue. And they yeah. think that can dictate their policy, you know, and that's the circumstance because you didn't, as I say, you didn't leave for Villa to ask for more money, but you might've been paid more money when you went to Aston Villa, you know? So I'm, I seem, I'm, it's very, very interesting. But with Mark Hughes then, when you, when you had him at Stoke, do you think he managed to get a season out of you that's similar to that 2009 year or not? No. Why? He even said himself on many occasions, like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe we're not playing today. I can't believe on the bench. I can't believe they're in the squad. Um, you know, from Monday to Friday, like, the levels are producing a crazy. But for Saturday, I got to set up this way or... He even said himself many times, like, look, I, I guess I take advantage of our relationship and you're the easy option. Mm. You're, less, you're, you're less of a headache than anybody to come in and give out to me or put me on any pressure. Mm. You know, you're not going to have your agent screaming on the phone to me and stuff like that. And my first season at Stoke, first half of the season I was inconsistent. Second half of the season I was really, really good, actually. And then it just, then I just got, like, trips and jobs of appearances here and there. I just became a, a, a squad player and... I do believe at that point, that's when football really started to hurt me mentally. Mm-hmm. I it started really becoming a chore, graft, grind. So I just became a job. I really stopped enjoying it. And I, I wasn't looking forward to driving to training, but I was looking forward to kind of leaving the building. Mm. Um, I still put on a, a face and just emptied my tank and gave it everything. But it was just became a real... Yeah, it became tough, became tough. I was looking forward to days off. I was looking forward to seasons ending. I found it hard to get my teeth stuck into things because it's the same cycle, the same excuses, the same pattern. Mm. That that At that point, maybe that's why I ended up breaking my leg and maybe that's why I ended up not getting back into the game. Maybe all these things were manifested for a reason. Mm. But do you think some of that, though, is just through just being weathered through football anyway? Because you can't love the game in your late yeah. 20s, early 30s, as you would do, whether things are going well anyway. Yeah, it's hard to keep that excitement there because every Monday is the same for 10 years, so is every Tuesday and so on. Your routine kind of always is structured the same and you're kind of stuck in that structure. It becomes tedious. Yeah. You know, you come back to, come back to pre-season, the first couple of weeks is great to see everybody and after a month you want to put everyone in the headlock. <laughs> so people, people, people's habits, you know, things are grinding on you a little bit. You're like, hard it's hard being in the change room with so many personalities you know yeah yeah that's that's true like the, the football side of things it can be the best job in the world but then there's certain bits within it where like you do need some level of like toughness whether it's physical or mental to continue <laughs> doing it because it can it can get to you especially like when you talk when you tell your tale there's a similarity i have when uh, mancini was manager and he made myself and others train by ourselves with the under 16s basically like what's the motivation at that point to continue to come in? And someone will say money, but then you say, well, I wasn't doing it for the money. I wasn't coming in initially because yeah. I was getting paid. Like I, I thought I enjoyed and loved the sport and I was playing for the team, which I supported. But now me, somebody who wasn't disruptive or anything like that is now having to train away from my teammates. 
like as if I am being disrupted, but how does that affect my perception? Like, is this, this isn't what, what, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's so many, so many assets to it, but, um, yeah, for the first time I felt like the first time ever in my career, I felt like I've seen me strip my confidence away. Yeah. And I never felt like that was an issue. I never had those kind of issues about concerns, but I felt like he just blocked my confidence. He was, you know, he, he made me sit in the bench for six games and the seventh game and go, right, we're starting, we're starting right wing. And if you don't get two goals by half time, you're off. And he would. If I didn't get two goals, I was off. And there you go, I get another six games. And, and you know, what's that have to do with somebody? How many, how, how many tough do you have to actually be? So for the sport, but then also that as well. Yeah. You know, there's, there's just a lot of obstacles. And yeah. I don't know, you know, when you ask there, like, you know, about percentages of your fault, their fault. So, I, I, yeah, it's like, you know, do you look back and go, could have been nicer? Could I have played the game a bit better with them off the pitch? Could I kissed ass a little bit more? And I look back and honestly, no. No, mm. I wasn't. I wasn't shouting my mouth off. I wasn't one of those guys. I wasn't. You know, we've been in change rooms with Tabez and Bellamy. I was never those guys. Mm. You know, those guys had head-to-head blows with managers and staff. And, you know, I was never that guy. Mm. You know, I, I wasn't destructive. I wasn't a bad teammate. I wasn't a bad person to be around, you know. You know, no matter how what way they treated me, my reaction was always to train hard. It was never ever yeah. to down tool down tools and But do you think that's know, the problem though? Was that the problem? Because you weren't the type of person that would down tools and become disruptive. Do you think that's why people took advantage of you, as you said, like with Mark Hughes? Yeah. He said that himself. He said that himself. It's new ways when you get off because I'll control for one minute or put you on for the whole game. You were gonna play yourself exactly the same. So you were like a dream just to have because I knew I was getting from you. You know, you're not going to ever come in here and rock the ball. You're never going to come in here and boot my door down. You know, so he goes, I guess it's just always easy to say, oh, you know, so there's easy. Again, you're here. I can't believe you can do it. Yeah, but I am. Mm. You know, where's that? Where's that with me? Yeah. You know? Yeah, and it was, it was hard. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm very grateful to him and stuff. But, you know, it was like, that's stuck. It was, you know, he'd let a lot of the older pros get away with him they shouldn't have. And, mm. um, you know, there was, the bench is pretty much cemented. Mm. So you, like, he said, if you fight for a start position, you're fighting for a bench. Obviously, you're fighting for maybe for one spot because he always had two defenders. Peter Krause was nailed to the bench, a keeper. You know, it was like you're fighting for one guy over the bench. And then at that point, then you go, right, I've got his spot on the bench today. You're not going to be the first one on because these guys are always going to going to go on before you. So was, you could have been able to predict these things already. Mm. Like, you know yourself. You've been here on a Tuesday. You're like, oh, I know what's happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? You can see these things happening. Mm. It's very hard to motivate yourself, you know? Mm. I see that. I like, see that. I wish, I, I, I guess, again, in hindsight, I wish I didn't just accept that. I had a decision. I should have forced myself to go on loan to the championship or forced myself somewhere. I shouldn't have said, oh, I'll, I'll accept this for the season. I shouldn't have. I wish I just... I just wish I went out and got some games, you know? Mm, mm. I see that. I, I think, yeah, I, I totally see that. But before we go any further anyway, that 2009 season, for people who are listening, just for reference in terms of how significant that season was, that was the year when City did have Robinho, that when it did have a Vincent company. So when you're being picked as player of the season, it wasn't a player of the season for the old City. It was a player of the season for, for the transitional City where things were starting to happen. So that's a very big year to have a big season. But anyway, let's let's move on from that. Yeah. So now you've, you've had a few years away. Like, what do you actually miss the most? Because you're talking about some negatives there. But what do you actually miss the most? Like, why haven't you gone out and said, I am retired and this is done. I don't want this anymore. Um, I always have the hope 
of getting an opportunity to play. And I'd love to play again. Um, but what do you miss, though? I miss... I miss competing. Okay. I miss being on the pitch. And I miss giving it everything. I, I miss competing. I miss the winning and losing. I miss, I miss the team environment. The best part about football for me is when that whistle blows. And that's it. Yeah. That's it. Anything, anything before that, just, I try to go numb to. Because it's, it's not like you just... It's all the build-up. It's the change room, sitting about. It's all the stuff that goes with football. I can't be arsed with the buses, the hotels, the pre-match meals, the sitting around change rooms, listening to music for two hours. I just want to get on the pitch as fast as possible. Mm. And everything, everything in my my life just goes away. It's just that. It's just for that ninety minutes. I'm just yeah. I just I just become something different, as someone different. Mm. Um, and I, I miss that. Even like I played last night and. You know, all the lads, managers did speak a word of English completely, like only Spanish, all the players the same, couple of broken English and sitting in the chains with two, three hours before it. I'm like, am I doing the right thing here? But the second I got on that pitch then, I just absolutely loved every single minute of it. Mm-hmm. And I cherished it like it was the last game. Yeah, yeah, it's been your constant throughout the whole time that I've known you. It's still mm-hmm. exactly the same. You are that you are that dude, man. You are that dude. Yeah, I love it. Like even like I live now for the five sides and I'm like, I love it. Yeah. I love it. You know, and you're you're there all the time as well. You see it and it's just like what a shame that I'm I am where I'm at. Well, you, you, but you, you don't have to be there forever. You don't have to be there forever. Like, but it, but it's an interesting time, especially given the fact that, say, your eldest now, Josh, is he seventeen? Yeah. It's it's mind blowing to think that I remember being around you when he was first born. So then to be playing with him and stuff in the last few months, it's like this is weird because I remember you when you were like you couldn't even you couldn't even have solids, you know what I mean? And now you're actually you're playing football. Like, do you have an ambition yeah. to possibly play with him or not really? Um, not really, not really. I just hope that he utilizes the knowledge from me and while I went through for him. Um, and he's got pound for pound ability wise he's right up there yeah um, I just hope he's got the mentality to match it at the right time where's he playing now um, he's at Stoke at the moment um, he's at Stoke on a scholarship uh, but he's been all over York Dortmund and things like this but the Covid stuff kind of delayed decisions or delayed revisits there so I've said look it's on our doorstep go back to Stoke for getting the first team yeah. name of the game getting the first team as fast as possible and then see where that leads to okay and when the time comes when you, you do eventually retire in the future, whether that's like this year, five years time or whatever, like you've obviously got I think, the age. I, I, I think I'm too stubborn to announce it, you know, I'm too stubborn. Listen, someone's already beat you. Wikipedia says you're a former <laughs> footballer, so let's not get ahead of yourself. If it's in Wikipedia, it must be true. But, I'll write an email to them. <laughs> but with that, like, you've obviously got the agency stuff, which you'd be doing, but like, why don't you enter into media? Because you're somebody who's very thoughtful about the game. You've got your story to tell. Why would you not want to share those insights to people who've never experienced it before? Um, yeah, it's just not for me. When like people have asked me in requests and tell me about the day, how long it takes, like you got nine hours, ten hours your day to go and do this. It's, it's it's interesting though because you choosing to not do it means like for example, you come on this show and you can tell your story through your own words. But if you don't come on this show, then someone else can talk about you, and you just have to read it. And you have to accept it. Like, why is that a good thing? Why are you willing to accept that? Um, I don't know. I think people's, people's and private media's perception of me, I think 
I think it's way off. I don't think I'm that kind of 15 guy. I don't think I'm just flash million show money here. They have painted out like um, a headpiece, and I don't think I'm even very family oriented, easy going, relaxed, humble. But I would do anything for anybody who's been generous, and I feel that their perception of me is like, yeah, like I mean, Floyd Mayweather or something. I don't know. It's like, I don't think I'm that guy at all. But that kind of carry to stay with me for a very long time. And yeah, I'm sure there's moments where I probably you know, dangle that carrot for them to kind of run off of those things. Don't get me wrong, it wasn't fabricated or nothing, but I still don't think I'm that guy. Um, I have no urge to kind of be in that media frenzy. Yeah, yeah you, the, uh, one thing I've discovered from being on this side is that me, the term media is very broad. Like you could be doing an Instagram live or you could be on Sky Sports News. You know, there are lots of things in between. But I think for your level of insight about the game, about City, about, say, the stuff that you went through or the stuff that you're doing now with those kids who you're trying to help with their career, like that, that can go a long way. And I think finding the right sort of avenue for that could be great for you. But obviously, the more important thing is to see you back playing again. And myself and lots of others hope that you get the opportunity to because, like, I stand on this. When people sometimes ask me, like, who's one of the best players you step you play with? I say Steven Island and they're like, oh, for what? I said, listen, you just need to train with him and you'll understand exactly why. Because if he's on your team, there's a good chance you're going to win. If he's not, you've got a long day ahead. So I hope you get the opportunity. But before that, I want to say thank you very much for coming on the show, man. It was an absolute pleasure. And get yourself back over here so we can play some football again. Yeah, no problem. This, this can be part one. We can do part two in our time. I, I like it. It's yeah, fun. perfect, man. Perfect. Well, great to speak to you, yeah. Steve. All right, sweet. Nice to talk take, to you. Yeah, take it easy. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, um, there you go, guys. I just recorded a podcast with Stephen Ireland, and I don't know about you, but I absolutely loved it. I've known this guy for 20 years, but to try and get him to come on the show has felt like it was nigh on impossible. Trust me, I know plenty of people that have been in the same boat from David Mooney to Sam Lee, but here we are. I did it, and I hope you really enjoyed it because I certainly did. Like Stevie's a really good guy and a very interesting character. And I think in that, he was very, very honest. And I absolutely loved it. And I hope you did too. And if you did, make sure to subscribe. And after subscribing, go find me on social media where the handle is kickback underscore Nadum. And that is on Instagram and on Twitter. Oh, and lastly, thank you to our show's producer, Mr. Ryan Hale, for making this sound absolutely incredible, like always. I do not know where I would be without you, sir. But anyway, guys, new episodes come out every week, so be sure to stay tuned. Bye for now. Recording.